Hello and welcome to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups. In this episode, we sit down and talk about attachments, how they are often the biggest roadblocks to our spiritual journey, and how being a part of a healing community such as a small group can help you navigate releasing them and experiencing the freedom your heart desires. So without further ado, here is episode seven, What is an Attachment? All right. Well, welcome back. And uh, we're sitting down again with Scott and Sarah. And in this episode, we're talking about what is an attachment. And uh, before we recorded, we said the best place to actually start when we talk about what is an attachment is desire. So, Scott, can you talk about how desire ties in to um, attachment? Well, you know, it was over 20 some years ago when I read Addictions and Grace by Dr. Gerald May that I was introduced to this, to desire and even to the process of attachment and then ultimately detachment. I'd like to read what he says desire is right from his book. He opens with this. He says, after 20 years of listening to the yearnings of people's hearts, I'm convinced that all human beings have an inborn desire for God. Whether we are consciously religious or not, this desire is our deepest longing and our most precious treasure. It gives us meaning. Some of us have repressed this desire, buried it beneath so many other interests that we're completely unaware of it. Or we may experience it in different ways, as a longing for wholeness, completion, or fulfillment. Regardless of how we describe it, it is a longing for love. It is a hunger to love, to be loved, and to move closer to the source of love. This yearning is the essence of the human spirit. It is the origin of our highest hopes and most noble dreams. Wow. So really, what I think captures all that, it's love, mm. um, especially if, specifically the love of God that was created in us, for us, by us, and all that. And so what happens is, he says, is that that desire gets attached to a behavior, a, a mindset, mm. a mood. It can be attached to anything. And he says that the word attachment in French from the French word attache is where we get the word attachment, which means nailed to. Mm-hmm. So the desire gets captured. Wow. And, and that's what we see. And so and, and what we want people to know, it can, if you use the word attachment leads to addiction. Mm. But when we say addiction, most people in our society automatically go to drugs or alcohol. Right. When we're wanting to make it, it's so much broader. Mm. It may actually goes on to say to be a human is to be attached to something. Mm. It is almost inevitable. And then the process of detachment, which is a spiritual journey, is what we try to introduce people to. Wow. Because he says that anything that captures that desire takes away our freedom mm. and ultimately thwarts our ability to fully love. Wow. But it starts with that desire, innate desire, maybe even unconscious for some to connect to God, to be known to God, to be known to the source of love. And when that's shattered, fractured, moved off of, not focused on, it then will naturally, it's going somewhere. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. And so it, it gets captured. I love mm. that. Verse. And then nailed to that. And, you know, I think for me in my life, you know, I have behaviors that became attachments for me. But there were some even deeper attachments, and that was to relationships, mm. approval, affirmation. Mm. You know, I mean, I had to have it. Mm. And ultimately, being coming free of those has been my spiritual journey, mm. which continues. <laughs> <laughs> As you continue to detach, I think that's a scary word for some people because it's like, well, what do you mean I have to detach from 
what I love, am I going to lose that? Am I going to lose what I love? But I think that maybe what you're saying is, is by returning back to what we're really asking for, we can then receive it and then actually start to receive what we're really after in, in a relationship that's not bringing what we really want instead of blaming the relationship or blaming the career or blaming something else, we can say, wait a second, I think I'm putting a lot of my natural desire for God in this, so I need to return back home. Is that kind of more? Because it's a positive message. I mean, detachment means freedom. Mm. He makes a really great point that it's always stuck with me. Any form of attachment, any form, creates an inability for me to freely love. Mm. It thwarts love. Even though some people are addicted to relationships, as an attachment, it's really not love, it's a dependency. Mm. And anything that we are dependent upon for the fulfillment of that desire is an attachment. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. And so, Sarah, how does that show up in, I know we talked about the traditional um, addiction, right? And so people are, if you hear there's a, dr- there's a group that's meeting around addiction, well, it's like, well, I'm not addicted to anything. And it's like, well, no, we all are, <laughs> based off of that further reading, when you think of the word attachment. So can you talk a little bit about that, how um, some, of that, some of that verbiage needs to be unpacked instead of it being about addiction? It's about, well, let's, let's maybe reframe that in the terms of, a, in, of, of an attachment. Yes. Well, I do think I want to go back just for a second to what Scott said about atta- the word attachment. I think the truth is we come into the world to be cared for by whether it's our parents or guardians or whoever's looking after us. And in fact, we are supposed to start life with a secure attachment. And I think that if we all had that, we would not be attaching mm. those desires to all these other things. Now, that well, maybe that might not be entirely true. We're human, and we probably would on some level. Right. But I think the extremes to which we go to to attach to things other than secure, loving relationships in the true sense of the word, uh, I think all that comes from not having secure attachments, not Mm. having nurturing. And so we, as we get older, we start walking out into the world and going, what, how can I find that thing that I have not had? So I do Mm. think there's the ultimate desire for God, but then our caregivers are supposed to model for us Mm. what God's attachment looks like to Mm. us and our attachment to God looks like. And then really probably 99% of us don't get that. So when we go out into the world, we just automatically, I think as kids, start looking for the things to hold on to that will, I mean, at the most extreme, help us survive. Mm. Um, At the least, help us feel fulfilled and loved Mm. and like life has meaning and purpose and that we are good and okay. And then I think we take those childhood attachments and then in our adult life, we just blow those up. Mm-hmm. And I know when I told my old, my own story um, uh, on this podcast, that's exactly what happened to me. I learned very early on. These are the things that I can attach myself to, mm-hmm. to be accepted and loved. Perfectionism, being the responsible one, the caregiver. And then I took that in my adult life and I made a big old mess out of it. Mm-hmm. And so I think all of us, if we are self-aware, we become self-aware around our attachments. And I think that's what we're always ourselves trying to do and trying to help others on their journey do. Become self-aware around the 
sometimes very obvious attachments that we have. Yeah. And then once you've kind of become aware of those, you have to become aware of the more subtle right. underlying attachments. And those are trickier. Yeah. Uh, but we do tend to lump for some reason. We've, we have this vocabulary that addiction is these people over there. Mm. I don't have that. Mm. Um, yeah. I've never ruined my life with <laughs> any <laughs> compulsive behavior. Right. Uh, but in a sense, we're all... Um, using something daily. Mm. Uh, and the point is not that we're ever going to be fully rid of those attachments because, again, we're human. Mm. And on a bad day, we're probably going to return yeah. to them on some level. But we are, if we can become aware of what's happening, we can, we can lessen their grip yeah. on our lives. Mm. And we may prevent them just through self-awareness from becoming a full-blown mm. addiction. So awareness is huge because it sounds like what you're saying is it's mostly unconscious. Yeah, I mean, there is no transformation without awareness. Mm. Awareness is, is the beginning because mm. otherwise we're still in basically denial. You know? mm. but, and I do think it gets tricky because you've got attachments. We can recognize, I think, much easier the attachments that are unhealthy. Right whether we are drinking too much or uh, prescription drugs or, um, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think, uh, a sex addiction. Like, those are the ones that we are like, ding, 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 you yeah. know, this is this is destructive to This my is life. manifesting in such a way that I have to do something about yes. it because people are picking up on it. Yes, yeah. and yet there are many things we're attached to that come in the package of healthy mm. things. Uh, people who over-exercise, um, people who are caught up in the lives of their children so much that mm. they can't detach from from their kid the outcome of their kids lives mm. um, you can be an overhelper you know mm. you in the in the guys that you were out there doing good in the community but you're really overhelping for everyone in the mm. community there's many ways in which we can take what appears to be good and distort it right then so and we've probably said this before, but I, we do tend to put an extremely negative label on certain attachments. Mm. And I don't know why. I feel, I feel bad for that because these, those attachments don't hold any worse. Um, there's no greater uh, fault there than right. if you have an attachment to something that appears to be healthy. Yeah. It's still an attachment. Yeah. yeah. Anything that limits the human freedom mm. is... Dangerous, mm -hmm. you know, is going to prevent us from fully experiencing love. And I was going to follow up with what Sarah says. One of the things about attachment, I think, is important for the work that we, the work that we do, and that is, the brain never forgets mm. what it learns. Mm. So an attachment can basically lay dormant, and we're unaware of it for years. Wow! And then all of a sudden, something comes apart in our lives, and it's triggered. Mm. Which, why we must always be aware. Um, that we need to do the work. Mm, mm. Well, I'm glad you used the word freedom. And I want to come back to that because um, traditionally, I think early on in my own inner work, I avoided moving into things to, to, to move into some of these attachments because I thought it was, it was going to equal loss. It was going to equal, man, I'm going to lose these things. But I, I want to return back to the word freedom because on the other side of these attachments, it's not just this, abyss this vacuum that you're you have no desire left it's it's really the freedom to desire what you are actually wanting to desire so can you talk about that because i think that's 
that's an unconscious belief that as you start to do inner work, you're going to suffer and you're going to lose and things are going to, um, you're, somehow you're going to be without. And I think that's kind of that egoic trick, the way that we kind of avoid doing some of the inner work. So can you talk about the freedom and the positive side of releasing some of these attachments? Well, the process of detachment is becoming, is the journey to freedom, which is where, that's why I came up with the name mm. Journey to Freedom for the book. And then the journey, it's going to be a lifetime process. Mm. But I think that, you know, freedom is, if you ever feel it, mm-hmm. whether it's that that angst, that, that anxiety that I have, I, gosh, if I don't have this, mm. and, I, and I've always said we fiercely cling to what we know. And uh, letting go of those attachments, becoming free of those, that's the kenosis. That's mm. the emptying out. To get to theosis where the divine pours in, mm. which is the desire, our true love, um, that's a narrow road. Wow. And, um, but just the journey in itself is mm. liberating. Mm. And um, I love the when we see people have that experience of starting to become free. Mm. Um, you know, there's interesting, they say that in, um, I can't remember, I think it was Yalom that said that we actually fear the responsibility of being free. Mm. Many ways we like being, you know, there's a sense of security, even though I know it's dysfunctional, I'm right. not free. The, I'm I, it's, not. I know it, I know it, I know this dysfunction. I mean, it's like I can kind of, and um, I want to hit on this real quick. You talked about you talk a lot about paradigms, which I think are so important, and that's a key part of mm-hmm. what this ministry is about. You said that you can even be attached to a paradigm. You can be attached to a way of thinking. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think most people think of attachments as things or people, but you're talking about your inner world, the way that you think you could be attached to it. Absolutely. And that becomes in the lens in which I see everything through. Mm. And then what we know is that, as Covey says, our responses will never change mm. if I'm still seeing things that way. And so that's why we, if you go back to Prochaska's model, he says the key to moving a person out of contemplation. And remember, why does a person stay stuck in contemplation? They're afraid. Mm. They're afraid of the unknown, of the change. And so they stay ambivalent. They stay stuck. Mm. They just as much see a negative to change, letting go of that as a positive. But he says that the key is to focus on the solution, Mm. taking our energy off, focusing on the problem. Mm. And I think that's what we have always tried to create in Restore is um, creating a new paradigm, seeing themselves in a new life, Mm. and that becomes a focus. And then when they start to get a taste of that freedom and they experience that, um, those are the people that we find we say that they're getting it. You know? Well, I think that's really powerful because I, you know, to be vulnerable, I, I probably a lot of listeners, I went through, you know, two or three years of traditional therapy and it's not, I'm not here to knock therapy, but um, right. I, I remember getting home one day and opening up. And, and saying, this is what's going on. And it was like, after a while, <laughs> I was asked, what's the plan? <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't know. I'm just right now, I'm just really enjoying just going in there and, and talking about, you know, how this uh, something early on in my life affected me now. And I'm so glad you said that because you do have to make that shift from saying, OK, I get the attachment. Now let's move past it. Let's go and find the solution that offers hope versus marinating in that attachment and mourning it and blaming and all that kind of stuff. So that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful part of the journey, I think. 
anything that I'm focusing on yeah. is, is creating energy. Mm. And so if the majority of my energy is still focusing on the problem, that I was going to read here, he says that another complicating factor is that behavior is not limited to external physical activity. Mm. Thinking is also a behavior, a doing. Thus, images, memories, fantasies, ideas, concepts, and even certain feelings, states, can become objects of attachment and one can become fully addicted to them. Wow, mm-hmm. that's powerful. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about when you asked the question, what, is, what does freedom look like or feel like? And in my own journey, what that felt like to me over time, a long time, yeah. was just what we're talking about. Suddenly, because I think attachments, you can hide in them, as we were saying, for me, the chaos of my life was the norm. Mm. Uh, always drama, always hurt, always pain. Just this shame cycle that kept going around and around, but it was the chaos I understood and knew. Mm. And as I started to let go of that, what happens in any attachment, whether it's relationships or anything, there is a space left where it used to be. Mm. And your life starts to calm down. My life started to calm down. There was no drama less drama and the space opened up where I became less preoccupied with myself and now I could look outward I think that's what happens with all our attachments is it draws us ultimately inward Mm. we become totally preoccupied self-preoccupied and then I do think once you start letting go you start to go oh there's a whole other world down here Mm. that doesn't have to do with me yes and I can look outward and I can love that's I think ultimately then you tap into what real love is Mm. I stop I'm aware of myself but now I'm aware of you Mm. and I do think it's possible to get caught in the sense of if you hold on to those attachments long enough you have a paradigm of almost being a victim Mm. life has always got you down Mm. and you can stay in that paradigm forever mm. and never let go and then never emerge mm. and look around and go, I'm, I'm ultimately not a victim. At the end of the day, I have choices mm. that I can make. But I, over time, if I would say anything's changed since my 20s when everything was crazy, it's that my life is, life is still hard, but I feel that buoyancy of hope and mm joy that I didn't have in my 20s Mm. that keeps me afloat when life is hard right it's almost an intangible that's very hard to explain but if you felt it you know it oh yeah um you know I think that um I really believe this is absolute truth that I never learned what true love was until I started to detach from my attachments Mm. and you know here I am 66 I'm just now I really believe capable of, of extending what true love is mm. because before it was always coming from a dependency yes which when I was younger I didn't even know mm. you know and and so I guess wisdom comes with with age but I'm also one to read that moods are a huge attachment mm. depression shyness cynicism and the like even these. So I think that what we're trying to present here is that anything can be an attachment. And I love what Sarah said earlier. People think, well, I don't have, I don't 
struggle with any of these mm-hmm. life destroying compulsions, you mm-hmm. know. You know, so we know that to be human is to be mm. addicted. One of my um, favorite, um, she's done really well. She, she's on Instagram called the Holistic Psychologist, but she talks about the emotional hit. You know, and she did some research on um, people that were um, addicted to uh, drugs, and they found out that it was really that emotional addiction to. Obviously, they were addicted chemically, but there was also an emotional element where they wanted that rush of trying to get it and they didn't know if they could get it. And so she talks about that, how that can cycle in relationships. And if you wonder why you're constantly fighting about the same thing, you, you, your body does get conditioned. It's almost like the mind conditions the body and then the body conditions the mind. And I, I can speak into Sarah. I, I have found that the more inner work that I do, um, you do feel a weird, sense in your body where you start to have a few calm, very peaceful days. And then you're like, oh, something's wrong. Yes. It's almost like something's wrong. And you're like, well, I, 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 I guess I need to go and make something, you know, I need to get, so you do realize that you can, I'm so glad you said that, Scott, you can be attached to chaos yes. and you're not even aware of it. Yeah. Yes. When it gets peaceful, it's unsettling. Yes. Almost. And it's like, I need to make way. an argument or something here. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like, mm. Why is life so calm? And Especially in a relationship, you know, you're, you're used to, um, you're used to having, you know what you can say to them and they know what they can say to you and you get in those, those patterns. And, um, but I, I'm, I'm so glad you guys turn the attachments to the inner world too, because we can, so everybody can say, well, yeah, people are attached to money. People are attached to whatever else, but you can be attached to your particular way of seeing things. And, and also Sarah, I want to, um, ask you to elaborate a little bit more because I thought it was a really good point that you can even make your inner work. <laughs> an attachment and you can spend a lot of time focusing on yourself. So can you elaborate a little bit more about that? Cause I think that's a really powerful insight. Well, I do think what you were saying earlier is I think it's absolutely important for everyone to wrestle to the ground, run down, if you will, you know, your, your inner demons, everyone's Mm -hmm. got them. And we've, we've all got to wrestle that to the ground. That is the process of becoming self-aware. So if we're not self-aware, we absolutely have to do, some inner work Mm. and sometimes very extended inner work. But, and I think it was Prochaska in his book, changing for good that said, but, and I think he was talking about the contemplation stage of change. If you are a contemplator and say your therapist is also a contemplator, Mm. he's like, the two of you can sit and contemplate for the rest of your lives. And I was like, "Hmm, that is true because at a certain point you need to be challenged to your point Mm. to not just talk about it anymore, but Mm. to go do, to make the actual changes that Mm. need to be made. We can, I think forever, Mm. even in a healthy way. And yes. And then become almost preoccupied with all of our thoughts, Mm. all of our habits, all of our, the point is to be aware of them, but not to be preoccupied with them all Mm. the time. Yes and move through our days in a way that allows us to be productive and constructive to the world mm. um, and not totally focused on ourselves. Yeah. And I think it's a really interesting point that you both hit on where when you're, you get to the point where if, if there's an attachment, then it does block natural love from coming out. So it, it's, I'm, Scott, you said that you, you're at a certain age now and you're like, I'm finally at the point where I understand what love really means. And I think that's such a powerful byproduct of doing this inner work is that you all of a sudden have this clarity to say, oh, this is what love is. It's not about giving to get, because that's really what the other side of love is, is, oh, I'm willing. And that's, you know, a lot of traditional relationships are set up that way where it's like, listen, I'll be this person, you be that person. 
and I'll do these things and you do that thing. But if anything pivots or whatever else, then we got a problem. And it's like you start to learn that as you do your own inner work and release those attachments, you're like, wow, I can actually love somebody. And there is, you're starting to get, maybe the word's unconditional. You're starting to finally glimpse what unconditional love actually feels and looks like. I can tell you what it feels like. It feels like freedom. Mm. Because where there is a dependency, where there's an attachment, there's fear, mm. which I think most people feel is anxiety. Like, am I losing you? You know, am I losing this job? Am I, uh, am I not getting your approval? You know, because mm. I, I got to have that. Um, I, I wanted to read a, a kind of a spiritual definition of mm. an attachment, which I think is really powerful. Attachments are seen as any concerns that usurp our desire for love. Anything that becomes more important than God Paul Tillich says that whatever we ultimately are concerned with is God for us. At any given moment, that which we are most concerned is most likely to be something other than the true God. Wow. What book is this again? We need, I'm going to put this in the show notes. What book is that that you're reading out of? I, I tell you, it's a book I think every human being should read because if you read it, you realize, oh, my gosh, it's wow. tr- true. Addictions and Grace okay. by Dr. Gerald May. Okay, yeah. It was the first book I read 20, 25, wow. 25 years ago, wow. which started this whole thing. Because I read I was like, oh, gosh, that's me. Mm. It's me. And I want to be free. Mm. And, you know, I do, I, I want to make a point that, and again, Sarah kind of said it earlier, but this process of detaching, of becoming free, we will be in the rest of our lives. Mm. But that's a good thing. It's yes. a good thing because it's really, that is the spiritual journey. Yes. I've realized the spiritual journey is not what I thought it was 20-some years ago. Mm. It's not about getting. Mm. It truly is about letting go mm. and emptying out and making space for God. Because I've been, I've been really studying meditation mm. and contemplative prayer and mindfulness. And the whole idea is that to be still mm. and not in a transactional relationship with God, but just listening mm. and allowing and detaching from Thoughts, mm. feelings, all these things that I cling to in our daily lives where our, our minds are just overrun with. And so yes, especially when an attachment's threatened. And I think that's what you said earlier. I really appreciated that because those triggers, when they come up, it, it almost feels like you're possessed. It's like I can't do anything about this. And that's a really that's a really difficult space to be in, especially if you're in an environment that's constantly triggering you. That's a difficult space to be in. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately what Scott was saying is true. There is fear with every attachment. And then I would add on to that. The reason we cling so fiercely to so many of those things is because we're actually avoiding grief. Mm. Because when we start to let go, and he says it, Gerald May says it in there, when we start to let go, we will grieve the loss Mm. of this thing, almost a friend, if you will, Mm. that's been traveling with us for a while. And we don't exactly know what's going to be there when we let it go. Mm. So we have to come to terms with the grief. If I would say anything, described it over years of sitting with people in, in small group, is I will see them standing at the door. It's like the attachment is the door. Mm. You need to open the door. On the other side of that door is going to be grief. Mm. And they won't open it. Mm. They won't open it. I get it. It's terrifying sometimes to say, I'm going to let go of this thing mm. that has kept me afloat somehow mentally, emotionally uh, for all of these years. And so with grace and mercy, I say, you know, I hope they open the door. Mm -hmm. But if they never open the door, 
it's just not going to happen. Yeah. We have to, we have to grieve. And it's that fear of it's, it's the fear that you stay in the grief. I think it's yes. probably the most of it is, man, I'm never getting out of this yes. but behind that door. Not only am I going to meet this grief, but there's going to be more loss and more suffering. And I think that's what you're talking about on the other side of the grief is this light of freedom. Yes. And, and I'm, I'm so glad that, that restore, I want to cycle back a little bit into how this is kind of structured and why this is a part of what, Restore does, what's in the books, what's in the small groups, because there is a lot of personal development and self-help that doesn't involve God. So then it's like, you know, pers- positive thinking, right? And just uh, mantras and affirmations. And it, and it takes out the fact that, that there is a God entirely. And I went down that rabbit hole and I felt very alone and very, uh, even when I would get the things that I was, you know, affirming for or whatever else, it just didn't fill the gap. And it's like you talked about that water that, you know, when Jesus talks about the well, it's like, I'm here to quench your thirst. You're thirsty. This other, these attachments are not going. A lot of times your affirmations can show you where your attachments are. I'll tell you a great book that really speaks to what we're talking about. And it's actually, the beginning of the book is almost frightening, but Counterfeit Gods mm. by Timothy Keller. Mm. You know, basically, these are attachments. And he, he starts a book with uh, when we had the, what was the big financial crisis? Oh, yeah, 2008, no, 2009, yeah. Yeah, and how many people committed suicide? Mm-hmm. They, they said it resembled back when we had the Great Depression, mm-hmm. when we had the collapse of Wall Street, and everybody jumped out of their, you know, all the suicides. So because they lost their, what they had to have, their, mm-hmm. their idol, their God. And so um, I wanted to say this, too, that if you look at, freedom as a spiritual journey and we were talking about it all begins with awareness well awareness really can't happen if i'm still clinging to my attachment Mm. may makes a point that he calls it spaciousness which is when jesus went into the desert with god and he didn't have anything but just him and god we too are invited Mm. to go into our deserts into our spaciousness and that's where we really can have the awareness we can see our truth and our truth sets us free Mm. and i also think of earlier perfect love cast out all fear Mm. and so to really be able to love it it begins with freedom Mm. and that's a journey that we all need to be taking. Yeah. And I think that what we have found in restoring over 20 some years is that every human being needs this journey. Yes. And that's what we tried to do, just make it so much broader. Right. And, and, and if there's no spiritual element in it, and I think this is, we always talk about, this is where AA got it right. That's mm. the first step. If there's no spiritual element in it, right. then all I'm going to do is take the one attachment and, replace it with another wow because there is look around the world what what are you going to replace it with Mm. you let go of it you're going to ultimately feel like uh uh-oh i I gotta have something and so you're going to just go to the next thing that you find and again this is where it gets tricky because you might go to the thing that you think appears healthy Mm. but now you've already still made an attachment out Mm. of it i think one of the most mind-blowing things in gerald may's book we were just promoting gerald may's book is the fact that he talks about even an attachment to God, a construct of God, not mm. actual God, because God right. himself cannot, I love this line in there, he says, God cannot be manipulated, mm. which I just is a fantastic line. But our construct of God can be manipulated. Mm. How we think God works, yep. how, how we, this transactional relationship where we think we can bargain and mm. exchange this for that, 
that too can become an attachment. Yeah. We're so our brains are so smart, and uh, in so many ways we can manipulate and our constructs that even things that seem good can then become unhealthy. So we take one thing, replace it with another. Let's just say we are addicted to drugs and then we turn around and we become ultra spiritual. Yes. Right. And every, every yes. second of the day is, I have, is a, I have a new self image. Yes. I'm a new person now. Yes. Right. Yeah. And we're reading mm. the Bible all day. And now that has become our construct. Mm. That has become our attachment. I don't do those things anymore. I don't associate with those people. You see that a lot. You know, it's like yes. I'm I'm a d- completely different person now. And it's yes. like you're you're transferring a negative self-image to a positive self-image mm-hmm. instead of connecting back to the the source, which is what you yearn for the most. And yes. um I, I I'm glad you said that because I will say for anybody that's listening that's like, man, I don't know if I can am I gonna be able to release these attachments. It, it it's it always comes back new in a way. You know, like once you release it and you start to move into this process, the things that you let go of you don't really lose. You 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 lose your attachment to it. But there there can be new there can be new growth in your life. It does seem to have that that freedom element that when we give these things over and we start to tap into God, things come our way in new ways. And and those old attachments may go, but you may have a new resurrected uh, uh, career relationship, anything else like that. But it does take that initial process of moving through the releasement of the attachment. But there is good news on the other side. I guess is what I'm right. trying to say. Because I think what we see, I see it all the time. I see it in myself, is what Sarah said earlier, too, is that we just transfer one obsession to another. Mm. Without the spiritual journey, without true liberation, which requires detachment, you know. And and one thing I would say is you cannot do that journey alone. Mm -mm. That's... Um, and I'll go, I mean, let's face it. I'm, I try to do this work, but I'll go sometimes weeks and weeks and weeks. And I'm like, I guess I'm, I've got it. Like, you know, and, but part of that's my own fault for, I don't, I'm not checking in. I'm not taking the time. I'm not, I'm not trying to connect, um, with the idea that God is in it with me. So that's where I always come back to is I'm like, if I start to feel that way, I realize I catch myself and go, well, that's ridiculous. Mm. I'm not, you know. I'm not in it by myself, mm. but I do. That's my old wounding. That's I know it's there. I have to always be conscious of it. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah, and I was going to just say that it, I think it's really important that in the process of transformation, and that's a key word, process. Mm. It's two steps forward, one step back. I mean, I'm, it's not a straight line. But if, if I am paying attention to what you were saying earlier, usually that phrase, paying attention is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I paying attention to what I need to be paying attention to? Then I'm putting myself in the best position mm. each day to experience God. And um, so what question to the listeners is, do you have those secure attachments in your life? Mm. We have that space, those groups. Find them. Brene Brown says, wherever they are, run to them. Mm. Um, but putting myself in the best position every day to remain in that process to I can have that internal growth, that spiritual journey. Um, and my staying in the process yes. of transformation. Yeah, and in a weird way, it takes willpower to be powerless. I mean, it's it, it takes the decision when you set up in the morning to say, I see that, I see that, you know, that temptation to move into control but I am using my willpower to become powerlessness. And it's another paradox, but it really is part of the process. And I just 
Sarah, that separation thing is that was a beautiful thing because it really all comes back. Everything comes back to that mm-hmm. thought that I am alone in this world and God has forgotten me mm-hmm. and it's up to me to fix this. That is the core fear. And, and that's, that's beautiful. And that's a paradigm. Mm. You know, and that has to be transformed. Do you know what De- Gerald May said the, the definition of an addiction is? Mm. Control. <laughs> that's great. Wow. Well, Scott and Sarah, thank you. This was another beautiful episode. And we hope that, um, you know, that as you listen to these, that you, you find your story, but really that you also know that this process is so much easier, so much um, less frightening, and so much more um, life-altering when it's done with other people that are there to support and to see you as you are. Well, thank you so much, and we will talk to you soon. Take care. Restore Small Groups is a nonprofit based in Nashville, Tennessee. To find out more, visit us online at restoresmallgroups.org.